0: coming up on episode 10. I can't believe I'm asking you this. Snog, marry, avoid.
1: Oh, no. Elon Musk, avoid. Elon Musk, avoid. <laughs> humans are humans still. And science can be very science It's very black and white at times, even though there are a lot of grey areas. And I think we need that humanness and that human interpretation that spirituality gives. And I think that's important for happiness. People
0: People do fun jobs. Brought to you by Mr. Winter. Hey guys, welcome to the last episode in my first ever series. It's a new year and I thought I'd start the year with a bang. My guest is Dr. Emma Osborne, an astrophysicist, multi-award winning science presenter and communicator. Emma makes content online, a lot of which goes viral, and I want to find out how it works and how Emma's got to this point and what her mission is. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give this a five-star rating wherever you're listening. And there are clips you can watch on my socials, Instagram and Facebook at Winterworld, or head to my website, MrWinterWorld.com. Now this is an area that I know very little about but Emma has a great way of explaining really complicated things in an easy to understand way. Now I definitely learnt a few things here but also I found the conversation really uplifting because really the odds were stacked against Emma doing what she does now and she is not only on a mission to deliver facts about the universe and share that wonderful information But she's also on a mission to help people, especially women, to show that pursuing a career in science can be possible, and it can be possible for anyone. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr Emma Osborne. Welcome to episode 10, the final episode in series one. Welcome science presenter, Emma Osborne. Hello. Hi, Jeremy. <laughs> Hi. Or should I say Dr. Emma Osborne?
1: Yeah, I don't mind. I'm, I'm flexible on that. But yeah, I have got a PhD.
0: <laughs> should I be calling you Dr. Emma throughout this conversation?
1: I'd uh, Probably. No, I'm joking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'd quite enjoy that. I think I'm going to go with Dr. Emma.
1: That's fine by me.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for joining me. This is like the most kind of unusual topic of conversation that I've had on the podcast yet so out of all the all the previous guests this is this is one I'm very excited about and also since I started this podcast you've been on my list of people that I want to get on because we met a few years ago and I've been watching your stuff and watching your socials and your audience kind of grow so yeah throughout this whole thing I've been like really wanting to get you on so thank you Dr. Emma. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for having me. I'm (laughs) honoured to be here. Yeah, that's great. So we spoke on the phone ahead of this conversation, and you mentioned a term to me that I'm not, I hadn't heard of before. So, what is science com? Uh,
1: So, SciCom is like short for science. Oh, (laughs) SciCom. Sorry, (laughs) SciCom. That's fine. It's short for science communicator, and it's essentially somebody who has a. degree or is an expert in science a field of science and then they communicate that science to non-specialists so these are like your Brian Cox on tv could be called a science communicator or science presenter Jamal khalili and a few others but you may notice I've just listed a couple of guys uh that represent physicists because there aren't many females which is actually how I kind of got into this
0: okay that's really cool so let's just give a bit of background as to what it is that you do and how you started it as well because you're big on Instagram that's like you're way over 50,000 followers which is which is great and really really impressive. TikTok is a recent thing we'll talk about that you started that you've joined but where where did you come from? Like, what, what, what's your what's your background, and and what is it that you do?
1: I'm like, how far back do you want me to go? So essentially, I got interested. <laughs> Up to you. Okay, cool. I'll give you a whistle stop tour of my life. Um, I got interested in physics when I was fourteen. Um, I didn't know any physicists, I had a really good teacher, and I really enjoyed it. But also, so what I did, because I didn't know any scientists, I come from a very working-class background, um, I looked to television and media to kind of learn more about science, and I remember feeling really disenfranchised at the time, because I was like, I think my 14-year-old self was, huh, I could do this, but really I think what I was actually feeling was that I wasn't represented in any of this media and my friends thought I was weird because you know, physicists conjures up an idea in your mind and I do not pi- match that picture. <laughs> um, so essentially I finished school, took some years out uh, because I wasn't ready to go to university. But when I was ready, I decided to go to uni, studied at the University of York for five years. So I did a foundation year, three year bachelor and a one year masters. And then absolutely loved it, thought I really want to go the whole way. Took a year out, worked festivals, that's where I met you. (laughs) And then, um, yeah, then I got a PhD at the University of Southampton in general relativity, or more specifically on gravitational waves. And during that, I really wanted to um, communicate science to non-specialists as a bigger audience, because essentially I've been doing it all my life. But actually, I really wanted to do it in a more professional capacity. So that's what I started to set up. My YouTube channel was born. And from that, my Instagram happened. And then, as you say, more recently, Twitter and then TikTok.
0: Wow. So something that makes me really happy about what you do is you're providing people with something with knowledge people seem to have a thirst for knowledge and that's a great discovery through all this like you you know you you're varying my news feeds really nicely (laughs) and it's and it's good to see that people are interested in in something of value and I think that's that's the content you're offering I think it is something of value I'm
1: glad you're enjoying it
0: (laughs) (laughs) so yeah your posts and the videos you make they deliver like you said kind of complex information, but you do it in in bite sized chunks. And it's really easy to, to digest. So if you were to try and engage with someone who, who, who doesn't know much about astrophysics, or is what was the, the, the term you used just now non
1: non specialists?
0: Yeah, for those people? Do you have one big fact that could blow their mind and get them interested?
1: Yeah, I think my, my entry-level fact is <laughs> there are more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on Earth. Yes. That's my favourite one. That was one that I really loved when I was young. But you can, like, add an extra twist on that. And um, there are actually more atoms in a glass of water than there are stars in the observable universe.
0: I saw this in one of your <laughs>
1: <words>. <laughs> Yeah, that was one of my favourites.
0: <laughs> You're teaching me something you've already taught me, so that's great. I love that. <laughs> you recently busted a myth about black holes mm-hmm. this is something i've seen in your content they don't suck things in no so can you explain that that theory um, and also what what are black holes
1: okay cool so black holes are essentially anything can be turned into a black hole if you can squeeze it hard enough the reality is we can't squeeze anything hard enough the only thing that can crush all that matter and stuff together, so it's super dense, it forms a black hole, is a dying star that collapses under its own gravitational mass. So that's the only way you can make one. And what happens is, it's kind of weird because space-time is kind of like, meant to be thought of as this kind of fabric. Kind of got an example behind me here. hit, and if I, say, take that top half, that would actually be a black hole. Everybody always says black holes suck stuff in and that's because their gravitational pull is so, so strong that light can't even escape it if it crosses the point of no return, which is the event horizon. But that's not actually true. Black holes don't suck stuff in. Gravity doesn't actively suck. It's not a suction, it's like a falling. In the same way that we're falling towards the center of the planet, things will fall into a black hole. It won't suck, it's not like a hoover. Because we'd have that experience on Earth, you know, you'd try and pull your foot up and you'd be like, oh, you'd have to overcome the suction and then you'd be able to move your foot freely and then put it down and you'd got to pull over the suction again. So it's not actually sucking stuff in, stuff falls in. So a really good way to kind of show this is that if the black, if the sun suddenly turned into a black hole now, we wouldn't be sucked in. We'd just continue to orbit. And that's the same thing because the gravitational field wouldn't have changed. It's just been crushed into a smaller space, the sun. So that's kind of the difference.
0: <laughs> <laughs> why, why gravity? Why is that the angle that interested you from the start then?
1: Excellent question. Because it is weird, <laughs> is the answer. <laughs> it's so creepy. Yeah, right. It's like where all the cool stuff happens. Gravity is something that we experience all the time. We're very familiar with it. Um, I'm very too familiar with gravity. I trip over quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even though there's this thing that we experience on a daily basis, scientifically speaking, we actually know very little about gravity. And the most common understanding of gravity is like Isaac Newton's, uh, what he thought, and that was like in the 17. 17- seventeen hundreds. and our picture of gravity hadn't changed much until einstein came along and he blew that stuff away like he was <laughs> like no gravity isn't a force it's the
0: curvature
1: in space time and then holes can be ripped in that space time and you can shake it about if you like wiggle a bit of mass you can create ripples which are gravitational
0: waves how does one <laughs> wiggle a bit of mass emma <laughs>
1: <laughs> well actually you say that but um You do it all the time. So you are mass and you're always moving. So you are actually, every time you move, you send out these ripples across the universe that stretch and squeeze space and time. And that's gravitational waves. That's actually what I researched. So yeah, I think it's how deep does the rabbit hole go when it comes to gravity? And that's what I really liked about it. And actually interesting fact, Alice in Wonderland is actually based on Albert Einstein's theory of relativity. (laughs) I <laughs> really with all the clocks when she falls into the rabbit hole and all the clocks and time and space yeah. is different that's like falling is... into a black
0: hole and I <laughs> thought it was about more of the psychedelic kind of things, <laughs> but Yeah, maybe a combination of both maybe um, <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting though um something that I kind of picked up on over the like last couple of years of really watching your stuff is the impact that you have on space and time as a human being like there's something about taking steps that you posted. So, Emma, I've picked a video to share from from uh it's actually an Instagram reel and it's your most watched actually with a modest 53,000 <laughs> views. <laughs> uh no biggie. But this yeah, kind of blew my mind and it's kind of connected to what you were just saying. So, if you're up for it, let's watch that.
1: Yeah, sure. Every time you take a step, you actually slow down or speed up how quickly the Earth rotates. And if everybody on the planet was to start walking eastwards, would actually make a day longer because the Earth's spin would be slowed. But if everybody on the planet stopped walking at the same time, the planet would speed up, making a day shorter.
0: So that for me was was a bit mind-blowing. Can can you kind of explain that? and Because the impact that you have by just... Taking a step is quite a lot to kind of compute for me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. So it all comes down to something called conservation of angular momentum. And essentially that means things that are spinning like to keep spinning. And you're like, we're taught at school that forces, everything has an equal and opposite reaction and things like that, which is all true. So in this video specifically, I'm going on the angle of conservation of angular momentum. And Yes. When you take a step, you do affect the Earth's rotation. But of course, think of how much its the effect is tiny. The effect is really, really tiny. And of course, yeah, of course. we all walk in different directions. So it's very randomized. But this can have very realistic effects. So um, as I said in the video, if everybody actually walked in the same direction, we'd affect the Earth's spin. Again, it'd be quite small. What's really interesting is that in China, they built a dam, I don't know, 20 years ago, say, so I can't think what it's called off the top of my head. And because it trapped so much water, it actually slowed the Earth's rotation by a fraction of a second because the distribution of the mass, which may, affects how the Earth spins, actually altered. So it got slowed down. And that's all part of the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: how is that measured? How do you measure that?
1: What, the Earth's rotation?
0: Yeah i'm just i was just asking don't worry i
1: think you'd probably uh use like the stars as a positioning map and then a timer but you'd need like very accurate clocks and things like that so yeah
0: yeah complicated <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you help shed some light on this one for me so, mm-hmm. The Earth is moving so quickly. Why, why aren't we aware of it? Why don't we feel that? And I guess this is where gravity comes in.
1: Oh, so the Earth's rotation. Why don't we feel the Earth rotating? It all comes down to something called your frame of reference. This is quite a tricky question you've asked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is
0: it? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's like, I know nothing about this area. And I was, it's just something that I kind of thought about yeah so essentially the the idea of like you know why why, if you throw a ball in the air why does that ball just why isn't it flying in the other direction
1: yeah 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 no these are really good questions so they come down to something called a frame of reference so uh, a really good example of a frame of reference right now my frame of reference i'm in my studio In your frame of reference, I'm contained within your electronic device, okay? (laughs) So you've got frame of references. So essentially, if you are in an accelerating frame of reference, so if we had, if I was in the lift instead of my studio, and we just had it on the top floor of the Empire State Building, and let the lift drop, it's not powered, it just drops. You can't actually tell because that's an accelerating frame, yes. <laughs> and because the Earth is rotating. <laughs> yeah, I really don't know how I can explain this in a way that non-specialists can understand off the top of my head because it is tricky. Um, but it is tricky. I can't. I can't tell you why we don't notice it. You can't tell if you're in an accelerating flame, frame of reference because the earth spins, its direction's constantly changing. So you can think of the earth, you're always in an accelerating frame. That's the best off the top of my head reason, is, which doesn't answer your question because you're saying, why can't we tell? And I'm saying, because you can't. So that's, I, that's <laughs> not the best answer. I'd probably have to um, refresh my memory on some of this stuff.
0: Yeah or I might need to take a master's in it and actually learn it over a long period of time. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're passionate about Earth mm. and how it operates in the universe, but I feel the more that we know, the smaller we feel, the smaller I feel, and, and to me, the scarier it all seems. <laughs> so does our knowledge make you feel that, that Earth And humans and life are insignificant.
1: No, I don't think they're insignificant at all. I think it's absolutely amazing that, one, the universe exists. All this stuff within the universe exists. Then it's so, like, random. Like, we don't know what the the cause of life is. And how life can just happenstance to take place. And we don't know if it's unique to Earth or the universe is teeming with life. I hope the latter. I think the latter. <laughs> um, but it's just incredible because I, I think there's like some famous quote about how humans are just the universe trying to understand itself. And the reality is like our brains are not capable of understanding a lot. Like,
0: Yeah, I can second that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can explain stuff to a certain point, but there comes a point where even I don't get it because my brain does not enable that. And like... For example, the uh, really good example of something that we're unable to understand is infinities. Like, we're good with finite numbers where there's an end. We can't imagine something that goes on forever. It's a really, really tough thing to get your head around. And the universe itself is infinite. And then it's like, well, (laughs) I don't know where to go from there. (laughs) So it doesn't make me feel insignificant. I actually think it's quite amazing. Because also you're thinking on the human scale and the human scale on earth in relation to the universe, but actually you can go as equivalently as you can go larger, you can go smaller. And there's a whole new kind of world that goes down onto the molecular level, beyond that onto the atomic level, uh, like the size of atoms, like atoms I think of as kind of like miniature solar systems because they're largely empty space so you kind of there's so much going on No, I don't think it's
0: insignificant (laughs) that's a really lovely answer actually I, I I also wasn't implying that I feel insignificant it's just quite difficult like you said your brain can only understand so much when you start talking about billions and billions of light years away and and that kind of like yeah yeah that kind of complicated number for example that's really hard why is maths so so closely linked to physics and science
1: excellent question (laughs) so um i think of maths maths for me is a tool for understanding the universe because the language of the universe is mathematics Which I think is really amazing because let's say there are aliens, if they understand how the universe works to a similar level to us and we were able to communicate, we could communicate through mathematics because that would actually be universal. So actually I get a lot of people say to me, I'm not good at maths, I love physics, can I study physics at university? Well, Everybody has the ability to be good at maths. Maths is hard, but so is reading. But for some reason, particularly in like our culture in the UK, it seems to be okay to not be maths literate. Whereas, you know, if you said to somebody you couldn't read, then you might, that would be received quite differently to saying that you can't do maths, which is quite interesting. But it's such a fundamental point because we can use the maths as this tool to predict what's going to happen. Or if we see something that happens and we don't know what it is, we can work backwards and use the maths. So it kind of, it fills, allows us to fill in the gaps. It allows us to predict it. And it's really handy for the work that I do. I work on the theory side, so it's very maths-based. And it's kind of like, we know this bit and we've seen this bit, but we don't know what happens in the middle. So I will use maths to find out and essentially I use computers as like super powerful calculators to work out so I'm not having to do all the maths myself by hand. So maths itself is just a really powerful tool for a physicist and to answer your question a bit more specifically so maths itself can be quite strange and abstract but it's very powerful. So physicists use maths as a tool and then once you get to a certain point in physics you actually become more into chemistry based stuff. And then from chemistry, you can go into like biology. So all the sciences are really nicely interlinked with this little mathematical foundation. And they're all kind of subsets, ultimately, of using maths and understanding the universe.
0: You're listening to Mr. Winter there's so much we don't know Mm. is that something that excites you is is the unknown and the constant evolving discoveries
1: absolutely that's the fun part so (laughs) when it comes to doing like research which is trying to push the boundaries of current human knowledge you're kind of chipping away trying to find out more and when you do that you have to like ask for money to do it and stuff and it's very much sometimes these applications can be like what are you going to find it's like if I knew that, <laughs> would I be doing this? You know, that's kind of the point is not to know.
0: But I'm, I doubt they'll accept a question mark as an answer. <laughs> yeah.
1: So especially when it goes into what I do, because so, I said theoretical astrophysics, that really is on the boundary of maths and physics. So much so that my degree was in physics, but my PhD is actually in maths. So just to dress that for you, but I'm quite happy living in that space of the unknown. Not everybody is. I've mentioned earlier gravitational waves, and that's actually what my research is on. When I started my PhD, we did not know whether gravitational waves existed or not. Really? They'd been predicted, yep, they'd been predicted by Albert Einstein in 1915. I started my PhD in 2015, and we hadn't detected them, and uh, so much I so was at a summer school and half the people there were saying, Yeah, your, your PhD is going to be a waste of time. I don't think they exist. What do you think? And I was like, We don't know. Literally. What sort of
0: science science snobbery was it?
1: I think it's just they've been searching for them for 20 years and they hadn't found them. But the issue is, is that gravity is weak and gravitational waves are even weaker. So, we had to wait for technology to get good enough to be able to do it. And some people lose faith in that time, which is fair enough. I understand. So yeah, it was getting to a point. It was actually getting to quite a pivotal point as to whether or not we're going to discover it. And the detectors were all being upgraded and this was going to probably be One of the signifying upgrades as to whether it got upgraded again in the future, depending on these detections. Well, a month into my PhD, we discovered them. They were detected. I couldn't believe it. So, and that was 100 years later, almost to the day of Einstein publishing his theory of general relativity that these gravitational waves were detected.
0: And how were they detected?
1: Ah, excellent question. So uh, (laughs) you use rulers. Yeah. You use rulers and they're in an L shape. Both rulers are the same length. And because uh, gravitational waves are literally ripples that stretch and squeeze both space and time, what happens is when a gravitational wave comes in, one arm gets stretched whilst the other gets squeezed. And that happens as the whole wave constantly like doing that. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, so what happens is the difference that those two lengths change by is what's measured. And the reason why that's so difficult is so the first signal came from two black holes. I think they were both about 30 times the mass of the sun when they crashed into each other at half the speed of light, billions of light years away. And by the time that signal reached earth, so it'd been traveling through the universe for billions of years, I think it was a thousandth of the width of a proton. (laughs) Now that's, ridiculously small and I don't even think like using a proton as a reference frame is even that tangible so actually if you take like a human hair and you've got like the thickness of a hair and you cut that into a million pieces, take one of those pieces, cut it into a million more, take one of those pieces cut it into a million more pieces and I think it's one of those pieces that's left, that's the distance they measured, so yeah it was 10 to the minus 21 meters
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that tiny minuscule discovery was a was a massive discovery in in your world
1: absolutely. It was one of the final tests of Einstein's theory of relativity. It turns out to be one of the most best tested theories we have to date as is quantum mechanics yeah, it was just it was amazing
0: and what what does it really mean? What does it mean to to us humans?
1: Joe Blog's on the street minding his own business. It doesn't mean anything. But what it means is we can actually see the universe in a new way. So we're used to seeing stuff with telescopes and using light. But light doesn't interact with everything. For example, black holes. They're black because we can't see them. And there's a lot of the universe that's undiscovered. And we've even got dark energy and dark matter that are very big unknowns at the moment as to what they are. So gravitational waves, they interact with everything in the universe unlike light so it will interact with things that light can't interact with so we're we've got this new window to the universe so that's one big thing you know if you want to zoom into the future it could be a method of communication across to different galaxies yeah there's there's quite a lot i mean a lot of it we don't know because that's Mm -hmm. the point (laughs) that's what a discovery is Yeah, if it
0: took a hundred years to kind of get to this point then you know It could be another 100 years before that's properly useful, I guess, in some way.
1: Yeah, well, it's already been useful so far. There was uh, two neutron stars. They're a type of dead star. So a neutron star is the final stage before... And if you've got anything denser than a neutron star, it becomes a black hole. So it's kind of like the densest form of matter. They're really cool dead stars. They crashed into each other in 2017. And from that, we got light and gravitational waves which was revolutionary. So this started multi-messenger astronomy. And what we learned from that is that neutron stars crashing together make gold. So they're the gold factories of the universe. And that was a really, really big discovery because all the elements in the periodic table, we know that all the ones that are light, well, go up to iron, heaviest being iron, they're all made in stars. But we have lots and lots of elements that are heavier than iron, atomically speaking. Uh, so, like gold, silver, platinum, all these heavy metals, and we had no idea where they came from in the universe, how they're made. But now we know that some of them, at least, are made when neutron stars crash together. So that was incredible. That's been a huge mystery. <laughs> wow. So, hey.
0: so, is now really great time to be doing what you're doing? Yeah, in 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 historic terms. Yeah,
1: it's really hot. It's really hot. So, technologically speaking, we're really pushing the boundaries. It's
0: really hot. I like that. (laughs) it's a hot time for science guys
1: always (laughs) so whether you're working on the experiment and designing the technology and working on that because this is like the distance they had to measure was so small you've got all these quantum effects coming in so we're really learning more about how to get around quantum problems in technology so like even the buzz that occurs in the voltage actually has a huge impact on these detectors And you get all these spikes of noise. So you actually have to move your kind of, where the electricity, where the volts come in and tune your device. But also we're discovering loads of stuff by using the gravitational waves as a tool. So we didn't know that there are black holes that can be 30 times the mass of the sun. We'd only ever seen them being a couple of times the mass of the sun or millions to billions of times. There was nothing in between. There was like this huge gap like where are they but gravitational waves have enabled us to see that in five years there have been some huge discoveries since then and there was one even recently I feel like I can just talk about this forever
0: <laughs> that's what we're we're here to do so I mean if I've got no plans uh, in the next couple of hours so go for it <laughs>
1: Okay, cool. So this is really incredible. So these neutron stars that I said about, essentially what's happened is neutron stars are formed when stars die, just like black holes. And they're squished together so much that all the protons and electrons that are in the atoms are combined and they form neutrons. So they're kind of like giant nucleus of atoms. So to give you an idea of what these are like, they have the mass of one and a half suns crushed into a radius of like... 10 kilometers so i think it's like not even half the size of central london and that would be like squeezing one and a half suns into the size of central london so these are really really amazing things as i say if you squeeze a neutron star you get a black hole now there's a type of neutron star called a magnetar which i think is an awesome name and uh, (laughs) magnetic (laughs) star and that's exactly (laughs) what they are They have the strongest magnetic fields that we've ever heard of in the universe, ever seen in the universe, and nobody knows why. And we don't know how they're formed and why these magnetic fields are so strong. So to give you an idea of how strong their magnetic fields are, you may have heard, you know, that we get solar flares from the sun and you get a burst of radiation come out from the sun. Well, these magnetars also produce flares. And I think there's one 20 light years away, and it produces produced this flare and by the time that flare reached earth the energy was so strong it interacted with the earth's magnetic field and actually altered the weather on earth what yeah exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> that seems really mind-blowing
1: <laughs> i thought that as well i was like what that's amazing so yeah these magnetars are like these incredible dead neutron stars um in the universe with these powerful magnetic fields and nobody knows how they're formed there was a detection from gravitational waves so uh, neutron stars because they're dead stars they do not shine so they're really hard to see but gravitational waves can see them and what happened they saw these two neutron stars crash together and we thought when that happened they would only produce a black hole But this one produced a magnetar, so we think so far, which is like so much physics.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's so much. Yeah. You're really good at explaining, by the way. (laughs) Thanks. I don't know much about this area at all. It's definitely something of interest, and it'd be pretty arrogant for anyone to be completely disinterested in all their subjects. Yeah, thank you for breaking it down nicely,
1: for sure. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> it's really, really helpful.
1: I don't feel it's been quite as bite-sized as what you might've been used to, so.
0: It's not the 30 second TikTok videos, but you know, I wanted to have a better, bigger conversation about it, definitely. Mr. Winter. Just to bring us back down to earth and go a little bit off topic. Mm. I'm interested on, on how you feel about the climate emergency. I know it seems way off topic, but because you're very well educated and I can trust your opinion on such things, I think is what it is. And cause you're, you're so aware of how everything is working. I think it actually what's happening on planet earth in that respect is, re- is, is relevant to everything that we're talking about. So yeah, what's your kind of view on it all?
1: <laughs> My hot take is we're screwed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do not <you> say that?
1: <laughs> Sorry, no. Okay. Give us so, some hope. Disclaimer, this is not my area of expertise. So, Of course, um,
0: no, no. I'm asking you personally
1: here. Yeah, so me personally, I think I'm going to be a real scientist about this. Mm-hmm. So the earth is fine. Whatever happens to the earth, the earth will always be fine. You know, it's survived climate changes and all of that but the reality is that it's unlikely humans will be able to change to survive such significant changes over a rapid period as with other living creatures on earth if anything something like cockroaches maybe crocodiles (laughs) but definitely more insecty cockroaches are really good at surviving but i'm not convinced we're mining more resources than the earth has year on year so i think this year we'd already mined one and a half years worth within a year. I I can't remember. The population of the planet is continually growing. We're not cutting back. I think it's political. I think governments aren't doing enough. We're all told to recycle and do this and do that. And yeah, it's good, you know, a million, a billion people stopping using straws, but it's so put a plaster on it in short sighted, you know, they're still drilling for oil and Gas, uh, non-renewable sources of energy, that's all happening. We're consuming. You know, you've got other countries like India and China. These are going to be coming up with all of their technological advancements. And you've just got, we'd have to change everything, all humans around the world today. And even then, we don't know if it's reversible. We're at the tipping edge. And I I don't think, sorry to be pessimistic, but I don't think we're doing enough. And
0: it might just be yeah. too late for humans. <laughs> I, I listened to a good podcast with Greta and she was, cause other podcasts are available. Um, her in her Intel on it was that whatever people think, even governments are unable to make the changes required because of the, the laws in place and the contracts in place and, and, and how tied up they are in all of that. So even if they wanted to change things, they don't seem to be in a position to do so. But it's interesting to think of your, your to hear your way of thinking of, well, whatever happens, the planet will be fine. Mm. It's just the human race, <laughs> won't be. <laughs> but, you know. What
1: you've just said there, it's not that the policymakers don't want to change it. They're prioritizing money. Yeah. That's what it all comes down to. You know, We live in a very capitalist, consumerist world it's a choice no matter what it is it's a choice they don't have to stick to those contracts you know so that's my hot take
0: (laughs) you're really good at branding Emma I think you you've got it just absolutely nailed you've got the (laughs) The chalkboard, which I'm really... I feel like a fan that I'm actually got it here in this podcast on the video. So, like, I was excited by that when I first saw it. So, you've got that. You've got, like, your your jewellery is always kind of space style. You've got your kind of product that you're offering wrapped up really well, I think. Where do you want to kind of take all this? What are your ambitions with, with everything that you're doing?
1: Excellent question. Sometimes I feel like I lose sight. <laughs> so, I ambitions just to reach as many people as possible so I always say like if I can hold my mum's attention on physics for like Mm -hmm. five minutes then I've basically won the lottery so I want to reach (laughs) all of the all of the people out there that come from similar places that I did even if they don't you know if they can enjoy it and then if they can get their parents to enjoy it that's generally my aim that's why I've focused on the internet because I think the internet is quite uh, democratic so you know you can go to some of these very countries with some very poor areas and yet they've still got internet access
0: yeah, so absolutely I
1: just think an education for me it's been a real like ticket through social mobility and I just kind of want to share that and I think it's important and I think it's just one of those things that people really switch off of so essentially I just want to my ultimate goal which will never be fulfilled Mm -hmm. is just to make physics particularly more accessible and make people feel that they can take part and they can enjoy it and they don't need a degree or a maths degree or they don't have to be good at maths and that's really what I'm
0: about. You seem quite passionate about the fact that you come from a background which maybe the odds were possibly stacked against you in what you're doing now. Like, what is what is your background and, and and why is that something that you now feel so kind of passionate about?
1: Yeah, uh, it's a really good question. So my background is that I was a free school dinners kid. You know, my parents were working class, separated family, you know. There was a lot of problems that come with that. The other thing is is Mm. that I am obviously a female and physics is a very male dominated uh, subject. Is it really? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's about 15%, 15 to 20% females in physics. uh, Whereas obviously we're like 50% that's
0: not very reflective. Exactly.
1: And also it's very middle class or higher which isn't an issue university is quite more accessible for people who come from more affluent or more privileged backgrounds particularly like middle class and higher Mm. and the reason why I talk about class and stuff is it's not something that I ever consciously thought of but coming from free school meals living in a world you know where the odds are against you and now I'm living in a world where (laughs) it's I've literally gone from the bottom to the top just through getting this education. I came, went in uni one end and I got spat out the other end and it feels different. It's like somebody said to me the other day, oh, how much of class of you? And I was like, what? <laughs> it felt weird. And it's just it, like, it's really good to um, go to, I'm the first person in my family to go to university and all of this, but people don't really talk about what it's like to be socially mobile. And I think that's just something that, That's a narrative that I can bring. I have experienced, don't be put off because you're the first in your family. Uni can be affordable, even if you don't think it is. There's a lot of misconceptions. And I guess I just want to break that down and show people that if this is something they want to do, they can do it. There is a way, it's not gonna be easy. You'd need to be resilient, but it's possible. And I think just by showing somebody that I've managed to do it, that might help encourage them to give them the confidence to believe that they can do it. So yeah it's just kind of where that comes
0: from that's so cool there's so much more depth to to just kind of putting out information you're you're putting out obviously and you're doing that fantastically obviously but to have that other layer to you and and your intentions are to help help people follow in your kind of footsteps or or similar that's really cool
1: thanks
0: you should be well proud of that thanks (laughs) Alright, Emma, so this is the first time I've I've introduced this feature on my podcast. I don't really have features, I just sort of have conversations, but I thought let's introduce one on the last episode of the series. A quick fire round, if you're up for it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play some music underneath this now. This is this is not factual, this is purely your opinion. So I just Are you up for this by the God. way? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I am, I am. I'm so opinionated
0: though. <laughs> well perfect. You don't I don't want a maybe, I want a definitive answer. Yet. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go. Three, two, one. The sun or the moon? The sun. Would you actually like to go into space?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: What's your star sign? Leo. <laughs> Do you believe in star signs?
1: Well, no. <laughs> I
0: don't
1: believe in astrology, no.
0: What do you think is the other side of this universe?
1: More universes.
0: Einstein, I can't believe I'm asking you this. Einstein, Elon Musk, and Brian Cox. Snog, marry, avoid. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Elon Musk, avoid. Elon Musk, avoid. Um, I do not (laughs) endorse that (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I don't want to snuggle marry
0: either
1: or Einstein. Okay, I'll snuggle Einstein and I'll marry Brian Cox. Because did you know Einstein married his cousin? Not for me.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I actually I went through the answers to that one myself and they're slightly different. But let's um, let's move on. Oh yeah. Do, al- <laughs> Do aliens exist?
1: I reckon.
0: What are aliens?
1: Any kind of living life that is not found on this planet or has not come originated from this planet
0: yeah okay so it could be a bean with that as you know feeds of water yeah not the big green things um and to end on a light one i'm not looking for the answer here i'm looking for your answer what is the meaning of life emma penis yes love that answer there you go that's the quick fire round I'll, uh, I'll see how that plays out. might use that one again. But yeah, thank you. I threw some ridiculous That was fun. <laughs> so Emma, let's talk about TikTok. So Instagram has been, and YouTube have been quite big platforms for you. But what about TikTok? You've just joined it recently, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So actually, I joined it ages ago, released a video and then didn't know what the heck I was doing. (laughs) So like I've said before, I'm trying to reach essentially the young people who may be on the cusp of making their decisions about what subjects they want to study at school and things like that. And TikTok is dominated by Gen Z. I really like doing stuff bite-sized. You know, if I've got somebody who's not interested in physics, doesn't think physics is for them. They don't want me to like do an essay on why you should really care about that star. They're not going to want that. They just want, you know, like, fun facts or whatever. So, like, the faster you move, the heavier you become. That's what e equals MC squared means, that kind of stuff. So TikTok, in that sense, is perfect for me. Um, I do find it a challenge, but it's really fun. I haven't figured it all out. I'm kind of experimenting. So, yeah.
0: It must keep you busy doing – because filming for YouTube, filming for – instagram or whatever you're doing like reels or posts or whatever and then and then tiktok that that's quite time consuming isn't it because they're all different platforms they all they all work pretty differently mm-hmm. you're you're having to not only teach some good stuff you have to come across really well which you do but you also you've got to understand the whole social media game like properly and you you seem to have that that down is it something you've just learned yourself
1: yeah essentially so i'm really lucky there is something going on behind the scenes so my husband is actually an artist i do want the drawings by the way because that's a natural question people tend to ask (laughs) so i'd still do it
0: we've got a creative scientist on so you you're just hitting every everything
1: (laughs) So he's really helped me in kind of like visual aspects and, and guidance. And he's somebody, because he's creative, he's really good to bounce ideas off of. But what happened was when my Instagram took off, I was really lucky that it kind of just, it blew up. I went from 300 followers to 10k in like three months. And then the following three months, I went up to 30k. Wow. So... What I was doing was trying to find out what was that magic that was making people follow me, making each post like go viral each time. I mind it. <laughs> I mind the shit <laughs> out of it. <laughs> 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 to be honest.
0: Yeah, well, you have to follow what's working. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And then because it was like kind of by accident, the chalkboard thing happened. And then I was already doing animated chalkboards in my YouTube videos. And one day I just was like, connect it, connect all the dots, connect it all together. And and essentially what I try and do now is I come up with one topic that I want to cover. And I will create, so actually, if you want, I can disclose some hot information. I'm um, in the process of creating a blog. So I'm kind of doing lots of different levels of information to reach more people. So the blog starts off as like 1500 words, quite in depth all still aimed at non-specialists on a topic. It might be dark matter. And then from that, cause then I've like made sure I know everything. I will create some YouTube videos, which will be like three, five minutes long. And then from that, I'll create all the visuals for Instagram and Twitter. And then I'll do some quick short fire fun facts that I've pulled out of that, that will go on TikTok and Instagram reels and so on. So essentially I take one thing and just Make loads from it.
0: That's very economical with your time. I have to be. (laughs) Yeah, because aren't you at you're at university working as well, aren't you? Yeah. Bath.
1: Yeah. So this all started whilst I was doing my PhD. Yeah. Then it got really, really hard when I was finishing my PhD, and I kind of had to stop doing everything. I didn't have the emotional time, (laughs) as well as just time to do it all. But um, I was really lucky that because it went so well, I was in a position to make a choice as to whether to pursue this straight after my PhD, which I did choose to do. So I work half the time at the University of Bath, and then the rest of the time I'm freelance where I create all of this stuff.
0: And so for those who are inspired by what you do and they wanna pursue a career, not necessarily just in astrophysics, maybe just physics or sciences in general, what advice would you give to them? And, and is studying a really important part of that process?
1: Okay, so good question. I'll come back to studying in a moment. So if you are interested... Mind it. Mind that interest. Like, look up, find people that you like who talk about science in the way that you like it, that you understand it and you enjoy it. Like, ask big questions. Don't be afraid. The reason that really made me decide that I wanted to do this was I heard that we were being taught at school that the universe was expanding. And I was like, cool. <laughs> but at that time, they would just discovered that the universe was accelerating as it expands. And I was like, no, I can't. I can't accept that expanding fine accelerating I was like no way and we had this huge discussion in class and I was like what about this and my science teacher was like they've actually looked into that and actually ruled that out and I was like what he was like but great you're thinking like that and I was like no I need to know the answer that's what I need to do and it was that moment where I was like this is what I'm going to do and that problem is still very open it's the dark energy problem I actually had the opportunity of doing a PhD in dark energy, but I decided, I found out gravitational waves along the way, so it changed my mind, which you're allowed to do as well. The moral of that story is, is that if you keep asking all these questions, you will really cement what you do and don't like, and yeah, it's meant to be fun. It doesn't have to be dry and boring. It is fun. And with studying... Some people will have to study harder than others. It's as simple as that. I don't think you should just constantly study. You need time off. I'm very big for time off. Like I don't work in the school holidays. I took time out in the uni holidays because that really refreshed because you do get tired. You know, the brain's like a muscle. You don't just keep running a marathon every day, do you? So you stop and you rest.
0: Such a great way of putting it. Yeah such a great way of putting it you
1: have to rest your
0: brain so emma this is a question i ask every guest at the end of the episode it's it's the same question to everyone obviously with i'm interested in what you do and how you've got there but i want to end on who you are behind the label of your job and and how it makes you happy (laughs) who's emma osborne without the doctor
1: i don't take myself seriously (laughs) I've got a dog. He's very cute. He's fun. What do I do? So it's quite a tough question asking me what I do. So this all this science communication stuff was my hobby, but now I've made it into my job, and I'm just kind of been resetting since my PhD. So I'm kind of rediscovering that I've got time to fit these things in. So I bought myself some roller skates the other day, which I'm really excited <laughs> about. <laughs> Yes. So I'm gonna learn how to roll the skate. I love cycling, That's but so cool. I don't know. I like taking it slowly sometimes. <laughs> I have
0: actually one more question before you go. Okay. Um this this is off topic. Where do you stand on spirituality and concepts that science just can't explain?
1: Uh so this is actually really cool. I'm not against spirituality. I was talking to my husband about this, actually, because I was like, I'm not spiritual. He was like, yes, you are. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Uh, and we had a big discussion about it. So there's one thing I don't like, and I don't like how some kind of spirituality stuff appropriates words from science to strengthen their message so Deepak Chopra is a really great example of this like the quantum entanglement of your cup of tea is the spiritual whatever no the brain is super super complicated and you know I think we I think I've seen a quote that we know more about the universe than the human brain there is research being done into quantum biology and that's kind of like so quantum mechanics, it, there's this really weird kind of thing. So everything in our world is very much defined. But when you get really small or really, really cold, things become undefined. And it, it's kind of like anything that's possible can happen. And it's only at the moment you try and look to see what's happening. Does that possibility play out? A possibility gets chosen out of all possibilities. So it can feel kind of random. It's kind of like tossing a coin when the coin is in the air it can be both head and tails it's not until you catch it and you look at it that you know whether you've got head or tails and that's essentially quantum mechanics in a nutshell so when you've got all the neurons and the synapses in your brain you're starting to get very small you're on the molecular level you're on the atomic level what's going on there how does like quantum mechanics play its role in that and uh, we don't know and i think that's really really fascinating and i can't help but feel that that's where like spirituality can really play a role in the scientific way but yeah i think whether it's spirituality or religion i think there's quite often this idea that you can have one without the other or one should be there and not the other and i completely disagree with that i think they're very good to be complementary and be side by side because Humans are human still. And science can be very science. It's very black and white at times, even though there are a lot of grey areas. And I think we need that humanness and that human interpretation that spirituality gives. And I think that's important for happiness.
0: Oh, I love that. There's <laughs> nothing I can say to, to like to tell that. I'm just gonna let that. Sit sit in space and float around I love that (laughs) (laughs) Emma thank you so much for being on People Do Fun Jobs and ending my first Series of it just really Really cool thank you so much
1: Thank you so much for having me it's been great fun
0: Thanks again Emma You can follow her online If you head to her website EmmaLouiseOsborne.com All her links are on there so that concludes my first ever series of people do fun jobs there are plenty more episodes to check out including conversations with an olympic windsurfer a tiktok star the fastest woman in the world to row the atlantic and plenty more thank you so much to all my guests for coming on and most of all thank you for listening or watching so far Please subscribe for future episodes and head to Mr. Winterworld for all the links to everything. My socials are at Mr. Winterworld. For now, Happy New Year, guys. And I will be back with Series 2 of People Do Fun Jobs later in the year. I cannot wait. I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to Mr. Winter's Let's go! Go, go.